Chapter Twenty Four of Finn the Wolfhound by Alec John Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Four: A Lone Bachelor. If Finn had deliberately thought out a bad way of beginning his life as one of the wild folk who have no concern at all with humans, he could have devised nothing much worse or more disadvantageous to himself than the indulgence of his wild burst of berserker-like fury after being driven out of the clear patch and of this he was made aware when he set forth the next morning in quest of a breakfast every one of his hunting trails in the neighbourhood of the encampment he ranged with growing thoroughness and care without finding so much as a mouse with which to satisfy his appetite even koala and echidna were nowhere to be found it was as though a blight had descended upon the countryside and the only living thing finn saw that morning besides the crows was a laughing jackass on the stump of a blasted stringy bark tree who jeered at him hoarsely as he passed disconsolate and rather sore as the result of his frenzied exertions of the night finn curled himself up in the sandy bed of a little gully and slept again without food the many small scavengers of the bush had already made away with the remains of the different creatures he had slain during his madness finn did not know it but hundreds of small bright eyes had watched him as he ranged the trails that morning and the most of these eyes had in them the light of resentment as well as fear finn had been guilty of real crime according to the standards of the wild and had he been a lesser creature swift punishment would have descended upon him as it was he was left to work out his own punishment by finding that his hunting was ruined these wild folk who were judging finn now tacitly admitted the right of all flesh-eating creatures to kill for food but wilful slaughter particularly when accompanied by all the evidences of reckless fury was a crime not readily to be forgiven for it struck at the very roots of the wild folk's social system it was not merely a cruel affliction for those needlessly slain and their relatives some of whom depended for life upon their exertions but it was an affliction for all the rest in that it spoiled hunting for the carnivorous rendered feeding extremely difficult for the non-carnivorous and generally upset the ordered balance of things which made life worth living for the wild people of that range it was as disturbing to them and more lastingly so by reason of the comparative slenderness of their resources as the passage through a town of an armed giant who was also a thief and a murderer would be to humans finn had been feared and respected in that corner of the tinnaburra while by some of the wild folk who from one cause or another were able to afford the indulgence in such an emotion he had been admired he was now feared and hated now the hatred of some thousands of living creatures even though they may all of them be lesser creatures than oneself is a fearsome thing just as the wild people's method of direct communication are more limited than ours so their indirect methods are more perfect more impressive and swifter than ours a drawing-room full of men and women have before now shown themselves tolerably capable in the matter of conveying a sense of their dislike for some one person 
but humans waste a lot of their telepathic power in speech and their most offensive method of conveying unspoken hatred to its object and making him feel an outcast is as nothing by comparison with the wild folk's achievements in this direction if you have ever studied the life of a kennel of hounds for example when the pack has made up its corporate mind that one of its members is for some reason unworthy of its traditions you will remember what a masterly exposition you saw of the art of freezing out the offending animal unless removed in time will positively wilt away and die under the withering blast of unspoken hatred and scorn with which it is encompassed and hounds from their long intercourse with talkative humans have lost half their skill in this respect the wild kindred have a way of making hatred tangible perceptible in the air and in inanimate nature they can almost bewitch the flesh from off the hated creature's bones without ever looking at him if a sufficient number of them are in agreement in their hating when finn rose from his day sleep it was to realization of the uncomfortable fact that he was stark empty of food his first ejection from the camp on the previous evening had occurred before the evening kill and after the second ejection finn had been too furious to think of eating the next thing he realized and this was before he had walked many hundred yards through the falling light of late afternoon was the solid atmosphere of hatred which surrounded him in his own range of bush he did not get the full sting of it at first that bit into him gradually during the night but he was aware of its existence almost at once and he found it singularly daunting true he was the undisputed lord of that range no creature lived there that could think of meeting him in single combat but the concentrated and silent hatred of the entire populace was none the less a thing to chill the heart even of a giant irish wolfhound the silence of the ghostly bush in that brief half-light which preceded darkness spoke loudly and eloquently of this hatred and resentment the empty runways of the little grass-eating animals were full of it the still trees thrusted upon finn as he threaded in and out among their hoary trunks the sightless scrub glared hatred at him till the skin twitched over his shoulders and he took to flinging swift glances to left and right as he walked glances but little in keeping with his character as hunter and more suggestive of the conduct of the lesser hunted peoples when a long streamer of hanging bark rustled suddenly behind finn he whirled upon it with a snarl and the humiliation of his discovery of what had startled him partook of the nature of fear when his gaze met the coldly glittering eyes of a bush-cat whose body he could not discern in that dim light that glared down at him from twenty feet above his head it was with a sense of genuine humility and something like gratitude that finn met koala a few minutes later passing hurriedly for him between the trunks of the two trees in which he made his home at that time 
koala stopped at once when finn faced him not from any desire for conversation but from fear to move and waved his queer little hands in an apparent ecstasy of grief and perturbation while protesting as usual what a lamentably poor and wholly inoffensive person he was and what a tragic and dastardly act it would be if any one should hurt him finn whispered through his nose a most friendly assurance that he had too much respect and affection for koala to think of harming him and the little bear sat up on his haunches to acknowledge this condescension tearfully while reiterating the time-honoured assertion that there was no more inoffensive or helpless creature living than himself with a view to establishing more confidence finn lay down on his chest with forelegs outstretched and began to pump koala regarding the chilling attitude of all the people of that range towards himself in his own dolorous fashion koala succeeded in conveying to finn what the wolfhound already knew quite well in his heart of hearts that the attitude he complained of was simply the penalty of his running amuck on the previous night finn gathered that the native-born wild people would never forgive him or relax their attitude of silently watchful hatred but that there were some rabbits who were feeding in the open a little farther on in the neighbourhood of the clear patch finn thanked koala for his information with a little forward movement of the muzzle and walked off in a rather cheerless mood while the bear wrung his little hands and moaned preparatory to ascending the trunk of the giant red gum upon whose younger leaves he meant to sup before retiring for the night in one of its hollow limbs it was not for any pleasure in hunting but because he was very empty that finn proceeded in the direction indicated by the bear he had already developed the australian taste in the matter of rabbits and regarded their flesh with a sort of cold disfavour which humans reserve for cold mutton on its second appearance at table still he was hungry now and when he had stalked and killed the fattest of the bunch of rabbits he found furtively grazing a quarter of a mile from the clear patch he carried it well away into the bush and devoured it steadily from the hindquarters to the head after the fashion of his kind who always begin at the tail end of their meals it was noticeable by the way that finn approached the neighbourhood of the clear patch with reluctance and got right away from it as quickly as possible during a good part of that night finn strolled about the familiar tract of bush which he had ranged now for many weeks observing and taking note of all the many signs which though plain reading enough for him would have been quite illegible to the average man and he decided that what he saw was not good that it boded ill for his future comfort and well-being the simple fact was that he had outraged all the proprieties of the wild in that quarter and was being severely ostracized in consequence the lesser creatures were still sharper of scent and hearing than he was and their senses all made more acute by their fear and indignation they succeeded in keeping absolutely out of the wolfhound's sight it was shortly after midnight when a crow and a flying fox saw finn curl down to sleep in his sandy gully and by making use of the curious system of animal telepathy of which even such ingenious humans as mr marconi know nothing 
they soon had the news spread all over the range the lesser marsupials and other groundlings were glad to have this intelligence and the approach of dawn found them busily feeding watchful only with regard to the ordinary enemies among their own kind the small carnivorous animals and the snake people indeed they fed so busily that a pair of wedge-tailed eagles who descended among them with the first dim approach of the new day obtained fat breakfasts almost without looking for them a fact which unreasonably enough earned new hatred for finn among the circle upon which the eagles swooped if that great brute had not obliged us to feed so hurriedly this wouldn't have happened a mother bandicoot thought as she gazed out tremulously from her den under a rotten log upon the specks of hair and blood which marked the spot where a few moments before that fine strapping young fellow her only son had been busily chewing grubs for another three days finn continued in his old hunting-ground and during the whole of that time he had to content himself with a diet consisting exclusively of rabbit meat indeed during the last couple of days he found that even the despised rabbit required a good deal of careful stalking so deeply had the fear and hatred of the wolfhound penetrated into the minds and hearts of that particular wild community if it had not been for the rabbit's incorrigible habit of forgetting caution during the hours of twilight and daybreak finn might have gone hungry altogether apart from their hatred and resentment the wild people of that range felt that the giant's madness might return to him at any moment and that for this reason alone it would be unsafe to permit of any relaxation in their attitude towards him on the fourth evening with a rather sad heart finn turned his back on the familiar trails and hunted west and by south from the little gully in which he slept heading toward the back ranges and the stony foot of mount desolation that is for a mile or more even in this direction he found that his evil fame preceded him and no good hunting came his way but presently a flanking movement to the eastward was rewarded by a glimpse of a fat wallaby hare which finn stalked with the most exquisite patience till he was able to spring upon it with a snap of his great jaws that gave instantaneous and everlasting sleep finn carried this fat kill back to his den and feasted right royally that night for the first time since he was expelled from the purlieu of the gunya and the easy-going old life these few days had changed the wolfhound a good deal he walked the trails now with far less of gracious pride and dignity and more of eager watchful stealth than he had been wont to use he walked more silently he stalked more carefully and sprang more swiftly and bit more fiercely he was no longer the amateur of the wild life but an actual part of it and subject to all its laws and customs thus it was that in the afternoon of the day following that of his first hunt outside his own range he leaped in a single instant from full sleep to fullest awakefulness in response to the sound of a tiny twig rolling down the side of his little gully there facing him from the western lip of the gully with a rather eager curious inviting sort of look upon her intelligent face 
stood a fine upstanding red-brown female dingo or warrigal the stranger stood fully twenty-three inches high at the shoulder and was unusually long in the body for such a height thirteen inches less than finn's shoulder height it is true but yet about the same measurement as a big foxhound and of greater proportionate length her ruddy-brown tail was bushy and handsome and at this moment she was carrying it high and flirtatiously curled also she wagged it encouragingly when finn's eyes met her own which were of a pale greenish hue her hind feet were planted well apart she stood almost as a show-cob stands her tail twitching slightly and her nostrils contracting and expanding in eloquent inquiry she had heard of finn some time since this bell of the back ranges but it was only on that day when nature recommended her to find a mate that she had thought of coming in quest of the great wolfhound now she eyed him from her vantage point fearlessly and with an invitation in every line of her lissom form finn sniffed hard and began a conciliatory whine which terminated in a friendly bark as he scrambled up the gully side his own thirty-inch tail waving high above the level of his haunches warrigal fled for ten paces wheeling round then in kittenish fashion and stooping till her muzzle touched the ground between her forefeet but no sooner had finn's nose touched hers than the wild coquette was off again and this time a little farther into the bush to and fro and back and forth the shining bushy-coated dingo played the great wolfhound with even more of coquettishness than is ever displayed in human circles and twilight had darkened into night when at length she yielded herself utterly to his masterful charms and nominally surrendered to the suit she had actually won as is always the case with the wild folk the courtship was fiery and brief but one would not say that it was the less passionately earnest for that and at the time warrigal seemed to finn the most gloriously handsome and eminently desirable of all her sex when their relations had grown temperately fond and familiar they took to the western trail together and presently warrigal pointed a big bandicoot for finn and finn delighted to exhibit his prowess stalked and slew the creature with a good deal of style then the two fed together finn politely yielding the hindquarters to his inamorata and then they lay and licked and nosed and chatted amicably for an hour after this warrigal rose and stretched her handsome figure to its full length there was not a white hair about her nor any other trace of cross-breeding her nose pointing west and by south a little for the back ranges whence she came when she trotted sedately off in that direction finn followed her as a matter of course though he had never been this way before there were no longer any ties which bound him to his old hunting-ground it was not in nature to spare a thought for lugubrious koala or prickly echidna when warrigal waved her bushy tail and trotted on before finn had never before been appealed to by the scent of any of the wild people but there was a subtle atmosphere about warrigal's thick red-brown coat which drew him to her strongly 
End of chapter 24